so my favorite part is teaching people, right? Mm -hmm. Primarily teaching people who are kind of new to the industry about the product. And that's why I love doing this kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? But because people are always really eager to come and learn about this industry. Welcome back to Challenge Accepted, our employee-focused podcast. I'm your host, Anna Lee, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Michael Ray, a battery engineer here at Norfolk. He talks to us about his unique experience in the company moving around in different teams and his background in cell technology. If you're curious about getting your career started in the battery industry, then this episode is for you. Now, on to the episode. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for coming into the studio today. It's uh, It's been a great morning so far and uh, really nice and snowy outside, and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm really, really happy to be here today. Thank you. Thank you for coming. So could you please just introduce yourself to the audience and what your role is at the company? So I've had a wild ride. I mean, Northfold itself has been such a crazy journey, right? We're kind of definitely in the scale-up phase these days, but I feel like I came in right at the end of the startup phase, mm -hmm. right as we were kind of doing that. And when that happens, you kind of take whatever hats that they hand to you and mm -hmm. you just take it, uh, take it rolling, right? So I started out in the cell design team for one of our customer projects. Really a lot of fun. Uh, I learned a lot there. Um, I was coming from a previous uh, company in the United States making battery cells, uh, uh, and uh, of course, then some research at university and stuff like that before that. Um, so I had a little uh, strong background, but I didn't have as much of a production background as I wanted to get at the previous company. So I was really excited and I spent a lot of time down in production, kind of mm -hmm. solving problems and, and finding things out and learning as much as I could. And I think uh, spending all that time there, it kind of caught some people's attention. So then I was I was asked to take uh, take over leading the what we call our R&D lab, which is the A sample production. For those who are in the automotive industry, you'll know what that means. Many of you will not, maybe. But it say, means like prototypes, right? It's like the prototype production. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it's like the early first stages of a new product mm -hmm. coming out. And of course, we had other laboratory work going on there as well as we're investigating the battery cell materials, et cetera. Uh, so that was a really fun time. Um, and then I spent a short time kind of almost acting like an internal consultant for the quality team as a, it's a really cringy title. I didn't like it at all, but it was called cell expert. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, you know, I wouldn't consider myself an expert by any stretch compared to many others. Uh, but it was a, a lot of fun teaching the quality team about the product and how to solve problems related to the production. Mm. Uh, that was a really good time and uh, good because I needed to take some parental leave as well. I needed something a little more flexible. <laughs> yeah. I didn't uh, didn't want to continue with too high high pressure mm -hmm. for my team. And uh, these days, I'm leading a team of engineers who are doing the validation side, we call, which is testing the cells mm -hmm. after they come out of production and helping us understand how they're going to behave when we build them into the electric vehicle uh, modules and systems. Yeah. Uh, and that's been super fun as well. So I've got a really wide breadth of, of experience. And at my previous company, I also got experience directly working with customers and sales and, mm -hmm. and uh, cell design there as well. So it's just been uh, a wild ride. Yeah. I mean, that's usually the the story for most people at Norfolk is, oh, yeah, I started with this, but now I'm in a completely different area or I'm in the same area, but in a completely different role. Right. It's always just that journey that you have. Well, and then we, I came here to learn, and I mm -hmm. certainly have done that, and it's been an amazing opportunity to learn about so many things mm -hmm. about, of course, the the product, but definitely also about 
business and, and uh, getting teams yeah. scaled up and teaching mm -hmm. them. And it's it's just been amazing. We'll talk about that later. Maybe. I was going to say, so why Norfolk? Because I know that you're not from Sweden. So how did you end no, up here? Definitely not. So I'm born and raised in, in Las Vegas in the United States. Uh, but uh, I had a, a friend. So I was in uh, doing research at university on battery materials, of course. And uh, we had, uh, what do you call these, like exchange programs for the PhD mm -hmm. students. Yeah. And one of them came uh, and uh, she was really excited and quite fun, but she was based i think in yotabori uh, mm -hmm. but i'm not 100 sure about that uh got to know her and then as time went on she joined northvolt really really in the early stages so mm -hmm. i was kind of following her on yeah. linkedin before northvolt really kind of hit the pr scene <laughs> yeah. uh, and everybody knew about them she was kind of posting about what had been done and how so things she were going. she came from gothenburg to your I, university to my university in the states okay. and then that's kind of how i kept in touch with her yeah right? nice so then she was kind of posting jobs and mm -hmm. so I, when i saw one i, I I jumped right on it because she seemed like she was doing some exciting stuff. And I had already heard about this really great uh, plan for the vertical integration strategy, uh, which uh, maybe you'll talk about in other forums. Mm -hmm. I won't get into it too much, but I thought it was a really great idea to kind of lower the carbon cost of the battery cells. And I think that's the way to introduce this product to the European market, mm -hmm. right? Uh, in, in Europe, people are much more conscious of these types of High things. High standards. Exactly. People, every single consumer knows what they're getting into yeah. when they buy this stuff. And so in Europe, you got to do it the right way. You mm -hmm. can't cut any corners or sneak anything into the background, yep. right? People have a and lot of opinions. Northfold is all about that. We don't cut corners. We're super transparent about where we're getting all of our materials and how we're producing it. And that is uh, super perfect for this market. And it's been a lot of fun uh, to be a part of this vision. And just the energy that everybody mm -hmm. has here is just uh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, what I always say is that at, at Northvolt, not everybody always agrees on everything, that how to do everything, but we all know where we're going. Yeah. And so it doesn't really matter so much, right? We, we're mm -hmm. just talking about possibilities and options. And and that feeling of everybody going in the same direction has been what's made me super excited about my job from, from day one here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you think of Sweden so far? Oh, Sweden is fun. It's really great. I, I have three kids, mm -hmm. and so it's a great place to raise a family, that's for sure. And and that was a, a big uh, plus for me. I think Northvolt was the reason I came, but the one of the reasons I'm staying is because it's <laughs> such a great place for my family and for my kids. Yeah. And, you know, we, we really got more than just a Swedish experience here because Northvolt is extremely diverse. Mm -hmm. uh, what is that? What's the last count? It is. It's a hundred, 119, I think, we're at now. Yeah. Still it's, insane. It's everyone that we get to meet is an international experience mm -hmm. uh, for me and for my kids. And I really wanted them to have that. So it, for, it's a really amazing time. That's awesome to hear. I always get excited when I hear that people have a great experience. So what would you say, because I, I know that I'm guessing that not a lot of people realize what goes into building a battery cell. Mm -hmm. um, and when they hear what you do, what do you think is the biggest myth that people have about your job and what you do? So, I mean, a lot of people don't think about this uh, a lot. Right? They're, they're thinking about the end result, right? The electric yeah. vehicle or something that uh, on the final end of, mm -hmm. of what we make. Uh, so that might be part of it, right? For one thing, they just kind of think that they're the same thing. Yeah. Right? Uh, what we're building is the kind of the building blocks that go into that, right? Mm -hmm. And they are kind of the the fundamental component that drives uh Wow, that was, that was a pun I did not intend. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, that really makes an electric vehicle mm -hmm. or other application possible. Um, but more than that, I think people who are aware of them, they still kind of assume that they're similar to other electrical components. They're thinking of them maybe like semiconductor manufacturing or maybe like people who know a little bit about it, like a resistor or, or a capacitor or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's really not. And are that's these because, different energy? Yeah, they're different electrical <laughs> uh, circuit components, right? So for people who are aware of that kind of yeah. stuff, 
they they assume that they're very similar to those. Okay. They're not. They're actually yeah. more like a tiny little chemical reactor. Mm-hmm. We're almost almost more like a human, right? With a with a biological complex medical history mm-hmm. where everything that's happened to it in the past affects its ability to to move forward in the future and uh, sometimes in good ways it. and sometimes in bad ways, right? Yeah. And so it's really more about that chemistry and the the complex behavior going on inside the cell than it is about how it fits into the larger electrical system. Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes it uh, makes it a very exciting role for me and uh, yeah, that's that's one thing people get a look at. Oh, about. you really you really broke that myth or that stereotype of what you were talking about. But what would you say is sort of, since you said that there are a lot of components and a lot of things that go into a little human or a little uh, (laughs) reactor, like you were just saying, what do you think is the hardest part of that job? Oh man, uh, that is a that's a super good question. I, I would say that the the hardest part of getting the battery cell to work mm-hmm. is the uh, how to say uh, uniformity of the material, yeah. right? Every we often kind of ignore these things in our day to day lives. We kind of just look around and we say, "Oh, that's a tree, and that's Brock or a, a, a car." Mm-hmm. But uh, when we look at a battery cell, we gotta look on the micro scale, super super small level. And even when things look like they're perfectly uniform, exactly the same, when you go to actually use it tiny little variations can have a huge impact on its ability to perform. And so being able to think about things on that scale and make sure that the quality of our production is considering stuff that's too small for us to see, that can be very difficult to kind of get across and definitely to solve those problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have really great equipment and great teams doing it, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely not an easy job. And then of course at Northvolt, we have a particular kind of uh, strategy where we're working with these really large uh, OEMs, we call them original equipment manufacturers, the, the big players, right? Yeah. Volvo and BMW and Volkswagen mm-hmm. uh, and other people as well. That can definitely create some incredible time pressures, right? Yeah. Uh, most of our projects are being set based on, you know, quarterly earnings uh, plans or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they call them by these companies. And so we have to just scramble to meet whatever it is that they can yeah. achieve to be able to, to to get into the product that they, mm-hmm. they need to make at a very specific date. So when we have these time pressures, there's not much we can do about them. So we just have to come up with amazing creative solutions to, to yeah. be able to hit it. And that definitely is the hardest part. But again, everybody's pointed in the same direction. And so that uh, definitely resolves itself. But it has sort of like double edge there. It's like one part is very hard, but the other part is very rewarding. Like you said, like you get to come up with some pretty unique and fun solutions to yeah. problems that you really have to deal with like right now. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely never boring. Uh, yeah. But it's also never, how do I say, the type of stress that you might imagine where everybody's starting to get frustrated. That kind of that doesn't happen as much because everybody knows what we're trying to achieve. And yeah. so it's just a bunch of brainstorming sessions after mm. brainstorm session, how are we going to solve this problem? And uh, when we come up with those solutions and implement them, it's very exciting. I was going to say, that goes into my next question. What is your favorite part about what you do? Oh, man. Uh, so my favorite part is teaching people, right? Mm-hmm. Pr- primarily teaching people who are kind of new to the industry about the product. And that's why I love doing this kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because people are always really eager to come and learn about this industry. It's an exciting industry, a really big growth area, and it definitely is making a big impact on the world. Yeah. And so everyone is excited from, from business people down to engineers and, and technicians and those who every, every single person wants to learn. And I, I love feeding off that energy, right? Mm-hmm. When I get to teach them about it, they bring me that energy and then I, I have plenty of it to go around after that. Yeah. So that's what I've always enjoyed the most is, mm-hmm. is kind of bringing people up to speed, coaching them, supporting them as they're working through technical details, but also, you know, learning the business and learning about how how we work. Yeah. Like you taught me about battery cells. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So what inspires you to sort of work in this industry? What what was it that sparked your interest into this field? Yeah. So I was extremely lucky. Um, So uh, some time ago, 
not going to specify when, mm-hmm. I was in college and I was a freshman and I uh, I was studying and I was selling insurance on the side, like like basic car insurance mm-hmm. kind of stuff, just to kind of make enough money to survive, right? Yeah. And uh, I hated it, right? I just am not that great of a salesperson. Mm. Uh, although, you know, in, this, in the United States, I'm not a great salesperson. But, anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel that uh, I went up to my very first college professor, Dean Wheeler, uh, shout out if he ever hears this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I just said, I'm, I'm desperate. I don't want to sell insurance anymore. Uh, is there anything that is more, I was studying chemical engineering. So I said, is there anything related to anything more technical that I can actually get a job in and, and uh, find out more about this instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he invited me to his office that Friday, which I thought was just to kind of give me advice, but I was super shocked when I showed up that Friday and it, he had thought that he had said that he was offering me a job. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, oh, great. Uh, so I worked in his uh, battery materials research lab all the way through college. And wow. uh, it was an amazing opportunity to learn. And we had many different students come through to get their PhDs and stuff like that. And I helped them write their papers and do their experiments in the lab and just kind of really... Uh, how to say a plucky option to mm-hmm. do whatever I wanted that was really helpful yeah, to yeah. the team. And it mm-hmm. was a, not, n- not everyone has that kind of luck <laughs> yeah. to get into an industry uh, at the ground level like that with, with so much support. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always tell people, uh, I'm just trying to help you in the way that I was helped, right? To get when they, when they come into the yeah. industry. So, yeah. Plus, you also just took the the chance and told your professor how you were feeling, and then an opportunity. Oh man, arose. I was so nervous when I did that, but it turns out that it was worth it, right? And and really, just because he's a great guy who was yeah. really willing to put his neck out there. Do for you still keep in touch? Somebody. Oh yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, he, well, I still uh, reach out to each of his students as they're kind of transitioning from academia to industry and talk to them about what's going on. Maybe not every single one of them, but a few of them. That's reach out to so me. fun. Yeah. I love that. So if we circle back to Norfolk and your role here, what does a typical day look like for you and your team? So, yeah. So I said earlier that my favorite thing to do is teaching. So mm-hmm. I try to find any chance I can to do that, even mm-hmm. though right now that's not my my official role, right? I, I did more of that when I was this uh, helping out the greenhouse team and, and developing the curriculum. But yeah. even as a manager for engineers, I still find lots of opportunity to kind of coach people through the fundamentals of the product and the process. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, helping them relate to the other challenges relating to their, their life in general. So that's what my day looks like is ideally many, many individual meetings with people, Mm -hmm. helping them understand what it is, the problems they're facing Mm -hmm. with their project, their engineering work, and then just coaching them through it, helping them understand what are the tools that are available to you. Uh, Let's review a little bit about this uh, component and how it works Mm -hmm. so that you can uh, come up with a solution here, right? And uh, I love those things because they're doing all the hard work and all I have to do is talk them through it. So (laughs) that's uh, that's how my day goes these days and I, I, I really enjoy it. But it's primarily uh, and if, if I can, and I always try to, mm-hmm. I try to get out into the production side, walk the production line, see what's going on, usually with another person that yeah. I can kind of talk through it, help them understand mm-hmm. this is why we're doing this here. Oh, look at that. That can be a problem. We need to make sure that we're yeah. careful about this area. Mm-hmm. Those experiences are really exciting for me. So I've kind of built my job around those because that's what I like to do. I mean, it's. I think it's also worth clarifying that you work at Norfolk Labs, which is in Westeros. And I've mentioned this before as well, but I think it's good to say again that basically when you say you're walking through production lines, it's these very small, cute production lines compared to the Com- scale. Comparatively, they don't feel about, cute when you're walking no, through them, but then no, you go up to the Gigafactory scale exactly. up in Sheleftio and yeah. it, oh my goodness, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. I think I've gotten lost every time I visit mm-hmm. uh, because it's just this massive site and still obviously not finished. I mean, a lot of it is finished, but mm-hmm. a lot of still different phases are still yeah, going yeah, exactly. on. And so, you know, there's 
construction surrounding everything and then you get into the site and it's mm. massive and many many different production lines all at once and mm -hmm. it's it's uh, super overwhelming and a lot of but fun. i mean that's that's the whole reason for labs being the way it is is that yes. it's an r&d center so you need smaller spaces and and sort of a more efficient research and development sort of right. space to be yeah. able to create and digestible these lines. right it's yeah. not so overwhelming you can actually go there and see each process one at a time and learn about it uh -huh. rather than just seeing you know dozens of them and being like ah what's happening exactly so it's it's a definitely a great yeah. place to learn so are there any challenges that you might be facing it might have been something that you had during the year yeah good question i think i think i mentioned before you know northvolt really has transitioned away from being a startup and now we're in a scale-up organization and because of that we're kind of starting to have to establish the the normal things you have at a company mm -hmm. like the bureaucracy and the norms and the plans about you know who does what and how do they do it right yeah. and uh I really enjoy that, actually. Maybe for some people that sounds boring, but for me, it's it's really exciting to be able to say, okay, you're in this role. Mm -hmm. How do you make it as efficient as possible? How do you understand your contribution, track it, improve it, make, make it better, right? Yeah. And so the challenges that we're facing right now is that that needs to be done for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we all need to be on the same page there. We're kind of constantly discussing it, at least for, for me with the other managers. And so the challenge there is just making sure that we're all on the same team, but at the same time, not losing that kind of agile and super responsive way that we were when we were at a startup uh, mm -hmm. mentality. And so we kind of go forward and then we pull back and we go forward and we pull back and we kind of make sure we hit that right target. Yeah. Fortunately, we have a great uh, executive team who's kind of guiding the level that we should be hitting, mm -hmm. um, but it's not always easy to do exactly what uh, what the plan is. So that that's definitely the challenge. That I mean, I you're building everything from scratch. So, I mean, it's bound to be a challenge. Right. And I think I mentioned before about the teaching, right? Mm -hmm. So every single time you implement something like that, it requires a lot of training and understanding both of, you you know, how to do your individual job, but also about the product and about mm. the process. And, and so people need to understand Many layers. the technical side as well as the whole business jargon, you know, yeah. I have this job and you have that one all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of training, a lot of teaching and, and coaching people into it. Would you say that you learn new things okay. every day? Yeah, loaded question, but uh, absolutely, of course. Uh, and I think I mentioned this before, right? Yeah. The best part about my journey in Northworld is I've gotten to learn so many different areas, mm -hmm. so many different things. The, the more important part about that though is because the culture is a place where I feel I feel at least I uh, hope many I think most people do safe to kind of explore to ask questions to take a calculated risk to be able to say you know can we find a creative solution to this can we implement something that can actually make a difference for our customer or for the project or what whatever it happens to be and uh, just going back <laughs> I'll say it again everyone is pointed in the same direction and so I feel like I can always reach out to, to the person next to me and say mm, I don't quite understand your area your mm -hmm. particular expertise could you spend a few minutes with me explaining it and never have I had somebody be like no <laughs> right they're always super happy to uh -huh. to spend a little extra time to yeah. help me understand where they're coming from where their experience has been and uh, so yeah I get to learn new things every day and again I, I mentioned this before but mm -hmm. the in incredible diversity we have at Northfold means that I get to learn about that from people with very different cultural backgrounds and yeah. experiences which has been amazing mm -hmm. uh, super super fun because it's not it's not only sort of their background or something that you might not be familiar familiar with. Yeah. It might also be that they might have a similar background, but mm -hmm. what they've done before has been different. Yes. 
they've done it in a different way. And exactly. that in itself, you're learning new ways or different ways of doing things. You would think it'd be very similar if you have like, if you, you, okay, I went to school, I had this particular degree, mm-hmm. and then I went into the same role, and but it's not the same at all. Yeah. Right? And I'm coming from a very uh, aggressive culture, right, with a particular mm-hmm. way of communicating. And I've been learning all these different communication styles, and I love it. It's really been exciting mm-hmm. to, to be able to learn about different people and the way that they yeah. want to be understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has there been a moment where you've been extra proud of you and your team and what you've been able to accomplish? Gosh, I'm excited to talk about this one. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would say that my time as at the R&D lab, right, uh, this was the prototype production we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. I was asked to, to kind of take this team, had really great people leading it before me, but few of the leaders kind of all left at once, mm-hmm. right? So we were left with with a bunch of people who hadn't had a lot of leadership experience yet, myself included. I mm-hmm. was learning as well, but it was an incredibly diverse team with lots of different viewpoints and everyone there, because it was this prototype lab, had gotten their hands dirty with the product, knew exactly what we were doing and why we were doing it. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, I, we just gave people the roles they needed to build to build the team and, and get it up and running. At the same time, we had this insane plan to, to build a new R&D center. We call that R&D 2.0. I'm not sure when 3.0 or 4.0 is mm-hmm. ever going to be. It's a flexible kind of production space where we can move equipment in and out and try new form factors and new processing mm-hmm. steps. It's a, it's an amazing place. It's about 15,000 square meter site, which meant that we had to prepare three of these new flexible style production lines mm-hmm. in order to get it off the ground. And that was insanity, right? At the same time, we also needed to increase our output of the current production prototypes that we were yeah. making and the quality of those prototypes. So all at the same time, mm-hmm. right? This new facility with three new production lines, improve the ones we have and yeah. get the quality better. And so it was including things like not just products, but also like our laboratory analysis, like tearing down a cell and analyzing how it's Mm going to look on the inside and behave, right? So our entire leadership team was completely new to it. And most were new to the industry, but we adapted, we grew, we figured it out together. Really had nothing to do with me. They were just great people. And then in in less than a year and a half, uh, we were able to double the output of five of our products. While we continued to improve the quality, uh, we generated key lessons that were able to pass on to like the scaled production, Mm -hmm. uh, which we call B sample and and C sample. C sample is the gigafactory. B sample is the, you know, we're just going to create cells that can go into the very first test vehicles mm-hmm. and stuff like that, right? And then we we commissioned the, the two new production lines, third one's still kind of pending. But I think the majority of that success is due to the, the inherent diversity of that team and the trust that we all had because we'd yeah. all kind of work on the ground together before any of us had been given the opportunity right. to lead these mm-hmm. teams. So we were all learning about leadership. We were all learning about developing people, but we were also a really tight-knit team with lots of opportunity to, to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a testament to that, that kind of new adage in, in in management that says that a diverse team is ends up being a better performer, mm-hmm. even if we have a little rougher time getting off the ground. And this was a, a really good example of that. And those people, all those people who are on my team are still leading teams all across Northfolds and uh, and have kind of spread out doing amazing work oh, ever since so, we left. And so, so cool. I absolutely can never stop bragging about them yeah. and what they, what they achieved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love hearing that. I love hearing, spe- I mean, especially when you hear of diverse teams that are struggling you also then forget that like like you said those are also some of the 
best performing teams because it might take them a little longer, mm -hmm. but they can get so many good ideas because they have so many different yeah. types of people. And, and they were empowered, knowledge, right? Yeah. Because because there was no one else. Mm -hmm. we, we had to make our own decisions and yeah. kind of be a little scrappy and able to solve mm -hmm. our own problems. And because of that, the diversity was able to kind of blossom as a useful thing mm -hmm. rather than getting in the way of some sort of uh, exactly like bigger yeah. organization mm -hmm. uh, plans or something yeah. like that, right? So it was, it was really fun. Nice. Okay. So to round this episode off, I would like for you to share a sort of personal anecdote or story with the listeners. Okay. So uh, a little bit of insight into me uh, and kind of how, how I got into being interested in this type of work, right? So when I was a teenager, I, I very luckily was able to grow up next to my grandparents uh, all my life, right, uh, back in Las Vegas. And so I worked as kind of like a handyman and like general laborer for mm -hmm. my grandfather. He was an older man for sure. He was a child of the depression. Mm -hmm. uh, so he liked to get up, you know, before five every morning and uh, just do whatever he wanted to do, which usually meant uh, building stuff out of scraps and <laughs> doing, yeah. uh, you know, doing chores that nobody really felt needed to be done, but mm -hmm. uh, everybody wanted to help him anyway. Uh, he just hated paying professionals to do their jobs, yeah. which, you know, I'm definitely a big fan of, but uh, he definitely wasn't. So he thought he should be able to do everything himself. Mm -hmm. uh, again, comes from that uh, generation, at least in the United States at the time, mm -hmm. right? Uh, he had a pool that he'd built kind of himself, mostly with like salvaged plumbing and pumps. And he had like borrowed a backhoe from someone to dig it out. It was insane. Uh, and uh, recently he'd installed some solar heating panels. Mm -hmm. uh, so because he he liked the water to be extremely warm so that my grandma and her friends could do their like uh, water aerobics every morning. So like it was 90 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which sorry for the American uh, temperature reference. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I spent a couple of summers and many, many days after school trying to take this just ramshackle equipment and make it work, right? And so this is where I started to fall in love with the idea of engineering, of solving these problems and mm -hmm. getting things streamlined and the efficiency up. Uh, and by the time I, I was done, I'd gone from like 12 to 15 hours a week spent on this whole thing to you know just a couple hours a week to kind of maintain things and balance chemicals and get everything under control. Mm -hmm. And so this is before I did anything for, at, at all in the mm -hmm. real world, right? Yeah. But it was an amazing opportunity for me to to solve problems on my own. And that's always what's been driving me. Mm -hmm. And now going into battery cells, I studied chemical engineering, which mm -hmm. led me to batteries. And now I'm here. And it all just kind of feels like the same story, optimizing systems, getting things more efficient at the same time, helping people. Uh, and so it's been a lot of fun. And I think everything I still do today is based on the same principles mm -hmm. I learned fixing that that silly pool back when I was a teenager. That's awesome. Thank you for telling that story. Okay. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming into the studio. And thank you for coming in and talking to me. Some I people think this is a little daunting. So I'm glad that you came in and talked to me anyways. Please go listen to Michael's episode in the loop about battery cells. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did.